from training to performing, join our Big League Conversation. Welcome to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast with your host, Eric Cressy. Welcome back to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Cressy, and this is episode 79. I've been looking forward to this podcast for a long time now because this is an athlete who trained with us as he went through his rehabilitation from a shoulder surgery. It was a long, arduous process, and he did a great job, but just in a lot of the conversations we had over the course of that time period as he worked his way back, I came to appreciate just how awesome a guest he would be, not just as he talked about his rehab process, um, but a lot of the lessons that he had learned as a late round pick and moving through minor league baseball quickly and just a guy who became a mentor to a lot of the younger athletes at our gym and was already super popular with a lot of our other big leaguers. Um, so it's cool to see him back pitching in the big leagues. I think this is going to be a show that everyone really likes and a fitting addition to what we're doing from a sports medicine series standpoint. So I think you'll enjoy checking it out. Overuse injuries have emerged as one of the biggest threats to players at every level of competition. As an example, at the professional level, ulnar collateral ligament injuries at the elbow alone sideline pitchers for an average of over 17 months. That's a ton of lost development and a threat to lengthy careers. Just as concerningly though, for youth players, overuse is the predominant mechanism of injury. So what can be done? Obviously, we need to train athletes to be prepared for all the stresses the game throws at them. However, the other side of the equation, recovery, often doesn't get the attention it deserves. Healthy, recovered arms mean you can stay in the game and give your best on the field, and that's where Mark Pro comes in. Mark Pro is a cutting-edge recovery tool that provides all the benefits of active recovery, but without the extra effort, muscular fatigue, or stress to tendons and joints. Players can use Mark Pro as long as needed for exceptional recovery between training sessions or after games. We'll often send Mark Pro units back with athletes to their hotels, or even have them use them on team flights. Both easy to use and portable, Mark Pro is a powerful tool that allows recovery anywhere, anytime. Use it while relaxing at home, on the road, or during tournaments. On a personal note, I was originally a naysayer when it came to Mark Pro. However, longtime Cressy Sports performance athlete Corey Kluber turned me on to it. He adopted Mark Pro into his post-pitching recovery approach, and it was an integral part of him going out and throwing 200 innings year after year. This led me to experiment with it myself and with more of our athletes, and the feedback was consistently outstanding. Now, just a few years later, you'll see it in every major league organization as part of the routines of some of the most accomplished baseball players on the planet. If you're looking for the same results enjoyed by these athletes, visit markpro.com and use the coupon code CRESSY at checkout for an exclusive discount. Again, that's markpro.com, M-A-R-C-P-R-O.com, and use the coupon code CRESSY, C-R-E-S-S-E-Y, at checkout for an exclusive discount. Today's guest is a right-handed pitcher who grew up in Texas and attended Texas Tech. He was drafted in the 21st round of the 2009 MLB draft by the Marlins, and he quickly ascended through the minor leagues. In 212 minor league innings pitched over parts of four seasons, he had 289 strikeouts and a 2.29 ERA. He made his MLB debut in September of 2012 and became the team's closer in 2015. He now has 99 career saves. He was named an All-Star in 2016 and was traded to the Mets in 2017. Following the 2018 season, he underwent shoulder surgery and worked hard on the comeback trail to make his return to the big leagues this year with the Rockies. Please welcome to the show, AJ Ramos. Welcome to the show, AJ. What's up, man? Thanks for doing this. I'm excited to do this. No problem, man. We spent a lot of quality time together over the last couple of years and I remember, I don't know, probably a year and a half ago, just some of the discussions we were having on thinking to myself, I'm like, AJ's going to be an awesome podcast guest, but we can't do the podcast until the comeback has actually completed and you made it back. So congratulations above all else. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, and you got lots of good insights to share. And what's, what I think is cool about you is it's, it's not just insights, you know, about being in the big leagues or, you know, things that you've learned pitching against the best hitters in the world, but also a lot of things you you learned along the way to get there because um, I've seen you really mentor, you know, young pitchers around the facility and, and college guys and stuff like that. So I think you got a lot of a lot of wisdom to impart. Yeah, I mean, uh, being being in this game and not being, you know, just being aware of everything, I think, helps you kind of learn things for life. Um, that's what sports is about. And, uh, you know, 
playing in the big leagues and, and being around a lot of people and having great teammates, I think, kind of give me a lot of insight of how to handle things and how to handle things in life as well. So it, it, it's just life is just in baseball is definitely like a learning experience. And I'm, I'm grateful for it. And it's a small world, too, because there's I, I literally don't know a person in the game who doesn't love A.J. Ramos. So that's what what makes this story kind of think even more endearing to people. So, all right. But with that said, let's let's talk about young A.J. Ramos um, growing up in South Texas. Were, were you a multi-sport athlete or what was your path to being a, a guy at Texas Tech? Um, well, yeah, I played I played football and in, in junior high, I played I played basketball. Um, but basketball quickly became you know, something that I wasn't going to, going to pursue because I didn't grow enough. Um, uh, and my skills weren't good enough. I can always jump, but that was about it. And, uh, in football, um, I was great until I, we did that Oklahoma drill and me, I went up, I was think maybe like five, five, like one fifty, And I went up against a kid who was six one and, you know, I had no fear at that time. And we went head up and we hit, and I think I probably got a concussion. And after that, I, I remember thinking I never want to hit someone that hard again. <laughs> and from then, and from then on, it was like the guy would come at me, and I would let him. I'd kind of step to the side and then grab onto his legs, kind of tackle. So, so I didn't like the way that felt either. So, um, but I've always had a good arm, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what led me into 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 baseball. Um, and it's just something that I loved from the beginning, and uh, it kind of stuck. I'm curious. I've seen some of the pictures of you pitching at, at Texas Tech from back in the day. And, you know, like right now you're you're put together, right? You move some big weights in the weight room. You get after it. You're throwing for him. You look the part. It was a little softer back then, wasn't it? I mean, the, the uniform didn't fit quite as clean. When did you kind of catch the strength conditioning bug in your in your earlier career? Um, actually, it was in my junior year or after my sophomore year at Tech. Um, I got I think I was like maybe 185 or 190. And that summer, uh, I went to play summer ball in the Texas League, I think it was. Um, it was a college league. And uh, I told my host family, um, I said, listen, I'm just trying to gain weight. And I, I just want to get big. I want to I get as big as possible. And uh, they they were cool, man. I mean, they're making me steak and potatoes every day. And, like, they gave, they fed me well. And I ended up putting on 15 pounds that year. And since then um, – you know, I, I liked the way I felt. I felt that strength. I felt that power. And it kind of led me into pursuing more weightlifting. And, uh, you know, back then I was doing more football lifts and stuff because I just didn't know any better. Then once, you know, I started to kind of gain some knowledge in it, um, I started being more sports specific and seeing what deficiencies I have moving and stuff like that. And kind of led me to the place I am now. I like it. How did, how did the velo kind of change with that 15 pounds? Did you see it surge that summer? Was it something that happened later or was it right in the moment? Uh, it happened later, man. It happened, happened, uh, when I was in double A actually. So, mm-hmm. you know, the weight didn't really do much. Um, again, all that strength is great, but figuring out how to apply it to the mound is something different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I hadn't had the knowledge in that and, and, you know, I'm still searching for it because there's, you know, I can move a lot of weight in the weight room, but just applying it to the mound and to, to actually pitching is, is, is a different animal. So, um, the weight, the, the weight didn't do anything until I got to double A and that was probably two years after my Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, it was, I went from 91, 92 to like touching 95, 96. And, uh, uh, I, I don't know if that was just comfort with my mechanics finally being set and then confidence in my arms so that I don't have to, uh, worry about an injury anymore. Um, I don't know what it was, but it all just came together then. Right on. So I, I remember us talking about uh, your, your Tommy John, you, you pitched with a fully torn UCL for, a long time, didn't you? Yeah, I did, man. I, I it was the second game of the of this of the year, um, my junior year, and my sophomore year. I had a lot. I was getting a lot of uh, attention because I started to, you know, people were starting to see um, my stuff. I was able to pitch well. I had confidence, and then second game of the season, I was pitching Houston at, at in at Minimade, and I slipped on a curveball, I think, and I felt like a pop in my elbow, but. You know, back then, I mean, it was more like, you know, I idolized guys who, who played through injury and who can push through and stuff like that. So when I got hurt then, I felt it, but I was like, ah, I'll be all right. Rub some dirt on it type <laughs> mentality. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, I just kept pitching. And, and it, it took until the end of, I think we had one more series left where I had walked the bases loaded and walked a run in. I was a starter back then. 
And uh, they, they took me out. My coach said, hey, man, listen, is there, is there something wrong with you? And I said, finally kind of broke down and told him, said, yeah, my shoulder, I mean, my uh, elbow's hurting. And uh, we went to go get it uh, MRI'd. And the guy was like, yeah, it's, it's completely torn. Uh, you're going to need surgery. So um, it, you would think I would learn from that. But fast forward to, to two years ago and, uh, you know, I was doing the same thing. So. You know, I think uh, people would criticize you for for not speaking up sooner, but I mean, it's that hard headedness that's a very endearing quality because it's what's made you so competitive on the mound. I mean, sometimes that same stubbornness that keeps you from getting an injury checked out is the stubbornness that actually makes you a, a total warrior out there. You know, well, it's a mindset, man. Yeah. I mean, because when you're out there, sometimes when you're pitching, you're not totally totally comfortable, or there's some factors in there that that are are against you but when you have that mindset of like i don't care i'm getting the guy out right here you 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 kind of just you kind of get rid of all distractions so you can focus on what the matter is at hand and that's a great attitude to have as far as like pitching through you know when you're in a away stadium and everyone's yelling at you telling you you suck or when you're they bring you in when the bases loaded situation and nobody out you don't think about the situation you think about the hitter at, at the, at the plate, because when you think about the scenario, the situation, sometimes that, that scenario situation is so great. And so the chances of success are so little that you, you it, it'll overwhelm you. And for me, I think that mindset came from being me from growing up. I'm, you know, I'm not a very big guy. I don't throw the ball a hundred miles an hour. So the odds are stacked against me since I was little and, or since I was, you know, I guess, since I was uh, done growing, you know, the odds were stacked against me. So you have to have a certain mentality to, 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 to get rid of all of the things that are potential failures for you, you know, all the things that are against you. So you have to be able to hone in on what you need to do and forget about everything else, yeah. which is a good quality to have again. But if you're, if you don't watch it, you know, with everything, with every good quality, there's the equal negative uh, a thing that can come from it as well. And for me, that negative was, you know, pitching hurt for years. <laughs> so um, that's just something that you have to learn yourself, learn what, what your good qualities are and learn what the negatives are with that so that you're aware of how to um, how to maximize the good quality with, with uh, minimizing the negative that comes with it. No doubt about it. And so when you, you were 21st rounder out of Texas Tech, obviously, you know, coming off the injury and then what was really interesting to me is, you know, once you got going in pro ball, it was it was dominant in the minor league level. It was a 2.29 ERA over 212 career innings with 289 punch outs. So you moved fast and really didn't struggle. What what your mind was? I mean, you mentioned the velo increase, but w there are lots of guys who throw hard in the minor leagues, right? What was it that enabled you to move so quickly through the Marlins system when you see a lot of other guys that get to pro ball coming out of the college realm and they they struggle to adjust? Uh, well, I had to, man. I mean, being the 21st round pick, senior sign, um, you're not going to get as many opportunities as the, as the guy who is, you know, uh, um, signed out of high school, you know, in, the, in the, some of the top rounds. I mean, I understood that I it quickly I saw who was getting more opportunities after failure, who was getting more coaching, who was getting, you know, I saw I saw the culture, you know, um, again, I wasn't a it's all that is, is an investment at that point, you know, like, all right, we invested $1 million in this kid. We're going to try to make it work for this kid. Well, we only invested a thousand dollars in this kid. You know, if he works out great, if he doesn't, and then we'll get another thousand dollar kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I understood that, that how it is. So I, I knew that there were my, my chances after failure weren't as much. So I had to succeed as quick as possible. So, you know, I remember it went in, uh, and was it rookie ball um, or short season? Um, we had the first rounder, second rounder, third rounder, fifth, eighth, tenth, twelfth, all the way up to me and beyond me. And so I would work out right next to the first rounder. He was a pitcher, and I would lift more weight than him. Whenever we would, whenever we would uh, um, run or anything like that, I made sure I was first. Like I just made sure to, to show them that I'm going to work my ass off so that I can that I'm coachable and then I'm going to work hard to, to try to be as best as I can. And from there, I knew the talent and everything will, will kind of, you know, as soon as I learned how to, um, as soon as I learned like the league and the speed of the game and everything like that, I was, I would adjust and my talent would take over. 
and my will on top of knowing that I have no choice but to be good because if not, I'm going to be out of the game. Mm -hmm. And I had to create a mindset that like it was, it was, uh, you know, baseball or die almost Mm -hmm. in my head. You know what I mean? I I had to be the most important thing in my life and I eat, slept, everything, baseball. And I had that mindset. I had to have that mindset to get, to get going, you know, and, uh, I think it was that will and determination and, and just learning learning the game as much as possible and also learning how I pitch and what made me good and what made me bad, mm-hmm. I think uh, also helped me kind of fly through the system. Um, and, uh, you know, just um, it was funny. Like I was I was throwing, you know, I was like around 91 to like 94, I guess, like in double A and and, and uh, I was closing and my setup guy was throwing 100. Uh, the guy that came in before him was throwing 97, to, uh, 96, 97, but a left-handed guy. Like, I was easily the, the slowest uh, arm out of the bullpen, but my mindset was the most, uh, like, you're not going to beat me. I don't care what the situation is. Again, that mindset that that helped me pitch hurt all, this, all these years was the same mindset that kept me consistent and, like, you're not going to beat me. You know what I mean? And uh, that's kind of what helped me get through the system. I think it's, it's interesting. I mean, especially 2020, right? We're in, we're in the era of kind of kids talking a big game on Twitter and Instagram about how hard they work and all this stuff. And then not actually like putting the work in behind the scenes that, you know, they, they're really kind of proposing in those tweets. I think it's, it's one of those things where you very easily could have said you were going to do these things, but you actually did them, you know, and that's a, that gets overlooked a lot is it's easy to listen to like, you know, a, a rah-rah inspirational speech or, you know, find a motivational Instagram quote or something like that, but to actually go in and put the work in every single day. And like, I've seen it, you know, people ask me a lot of time, like, what's the case with a lot of these guys, like the Scherzers, the Kluvers, the Verlanders who, who work out, um, so well in pro baseball and do it for the long haul. It's, it's the ability to tune out distractions. You know, like these aren't the guys that are like sneaking off to the warm up area to check their phone between every set, stuff like that. Like it's, it's very much like locked in. I, I see that with you. Like, was that something that was learned or did you, did you have that when you were 14, 15? Like I mean, you're, when you talk to your parents, were you that, that crazy teenager that would run through a wall? Cause I remember talking to Scherzer and he's like, it's always how I've been. You know? Yeah, it's it's definitely how I've been, man. Um, I think it was kind of instilled in me with my dad. You know, mm-hmm. he told me, you know, if you this is what you want to do, you have to make sure that you put in as much work as possible to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, and we would we would you know after school we would do drills or mechanics and and or we'll do visualization stuff. You know, he tell me to go through my mechanics with my eyes closed and tell tell him like, you know, we would go through hitters. I would sit there with my eyes closed and be like, all right, who's up to bat? And I tell him, all right, who's in the stands? Can you hear your mom? Yeah, I can hear my mom. All right, where is she sitting? And he made me paint the whole picture to him. And then he made me go through my mechanics because that deep visualization is is, is reps in your mind, you know, and, and it kind of helps you deal with the situation before you get there so that you're more likely to succeed or not be overwhelmed of a situation because you've done it kind of in your head, you know, um, uh, also too, um, uh, you know, my workouts, um, I like to push myself as much as possible. Cause I like to put myself under that same stress or a equal or a kind of the same stress as, as in a game. Every time I, I I'm in the weight room and I'm about to lift a weight that's really heavy, there's a chance that I might not lift it or I, you know, there, there might be some injury and I'm like, I can't, you know, I, I like to put myself in, in the stress state as much as possible because when I get in the games it's it's the same level you know and and I want to be able to I want to be able to succeed in that so like if 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 I've done that you know every day like lifting and stuff like that every time I lift when I get in the game it's no different it's just easy for me that's why like sometimes I don't pitch well, until there's until it's a stressful situation, until the bases are loaded, until I walk a couple guys or whatever it is, and I'm trying to, get, you know, I want to get better from that, but but uh, but sometimes that's how it is, you know. Sometimes yeah. it takes a close game for me to for the beast to come out, you know, and uh, I think that's just because every time I lift, every time I do anything, I run or whatever, I'm always challenging myself because uh, you got to push the limits in order to see what you have and and to succeed. Um, I think if you're 
always trying to be comfortable with whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. when you get into uncomfortable situations, it's uh, it's uncomfortable, and you got to get familiar. You got to get comfortable with the uncomfortable so that you can succeed in in the most important parts in the game. And some of the most important situations in the game are the most uncomfortable. So you have to get ready for that. And I, you you actually kind of led right in my next question. You know, like the the idea of being comfortable, being uncomfortable, but. Like you went to the big leagues and there was no hiccup. You know, you put up a sub three RA in each of your first three years once you got there. You know, for you, what was it that enabled you to succeed at the highest level when a lot of rookies come up and, and struggle to adjust? You know, you hear about guys that struggle going from high A to double A, double A to triple A. What was it that you thought made you um, stick that much faster? Uh, I, I, that same mentality yeah. that I that I had, you know, uh, just my whole life. I think I wasn't scared, you know, again, it is, this is, this is what I wanted to do. You know, this is, this is what I've been working for, you know, now it's time to shine. You know, that, that was my, that was my mindset. And, um, I, I just, every time I was on the mound, I was just like locked in. I just felt that, uh, that power, you know, um, and it was just, it was just fun. You know, I was just having fun up there. Um, I, I didn't think about failing. I didn't think about, you know, what happens if this or that, I never worried about getting sent down. Um, that never entered my mind. It just was getting guys out. I wanted, yeah. I wanted to get in there and make guys look as silly as possible. That's, that's always been my goal, man. I don't, I don't, again, I don't want to play if I'm just average, man. I, I want to be one of the best. And, uh, I think when you have that mentality, if you, if you want to be the best, you have to work for it again. It's, it's that, you know, not, not putting quotes up or anything like that. It's like, it's just hard work. You don't, yeah. you don't have to post stuff on, on social media to be good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, now I, I'm, I post less stuff because I'm working mm-hmm. and it almost feels like fake work. Whenever someone's record, whenever I ask someone to record me, mm-hmm. you know, I feel fake. I don't, I don't like that. Like if I'm working out and someone's recording me, then, then, then so be it. But like, I'm not going to ask anybody to record my workout like that. It's just, it just doesn't feel right. You know, uh, because, uh, you don't have to do that. That's unnecessary. Um, you just got to put in the work and, uh, let the rest handle itself. Kind of an interesting pivot just cause I heard you talk about it. It reminded me of a conversation we had. You, you got to play with Ichiro, uh, at, at the end of yeah. his career in, in Miami and, I remember, you know, you talking about you guys kind of bonded over like the fact that you were so meticulous in your, you know, your your pregame prep. And in your case, it would kind of start a few innings in as you were closing. And he was at that time kind of pinch hitting coming in late in games and stuff like that. Like, what were the things that you saw in him that you learned or that, you know, he admired in your preparation? Like, how, how did that relationship materialize? Well, as soon as he got to the field, it was go time. It was all baseball, you know, and it was funny because he, he would get there maybe 10 minutes before, before he had to stretch and then, and then just like Superman get to his locker. Then all of a sudden you see him dress in his, in his, uh, in his, uh, uniform. You're like, dang, E.T., how do you, how did you change so quickly? But, but as soon as he got there, it was all baseball and he had these machines that he had to, that he did all, all throughout the day. As soon as he got there, um, and just how focused he was and and he you know he he played around with guys and everything like that but for the most part he was locked into the game mm-hmm. and my routine at that point when i was closing is you know i would watch the first two innings on tv because i wanted to see what the hitters were doing i wanted to see you know their swings i wanted to see where the zone of the umpire was and 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 how he was calling it and and you know if it was a right-handed pitcher how they were getting out the guys there's a lot of stuff you can learn just from like watching the guys how they were walking up to the plate what you know did they look confident when they swung after a pitch how you know i like to see little things of the game that maybe Mm -hmm. some people don't look at because you know the hitters telling the story up there you know so you just got got to watch um but he would be in there in and out you know when he was pitch hitting doing his machines and i'd be rolling out and doing my my whole routine working out and all that stuff during the game and he gave me one of the best compliments um it was after i got traded I went to, I was with the, uh, the Mets at the time and it was the first time I had played the Marlins and I, I didn't get to say bye to Ichiro, um, because you know, with trades, it's just all, all of a sudden all that stuff. So, uh, the, the, whenever we were playing the Marlins, he ran up to me. He was like, AJ, he was like, listen, I want to tell you that you are one of my favorite teammates that I've played with you. I admire your your work for the your admiration for the game 
I admire how you prepare. And I want to tell you that I miss you and that and best of luck with the rest of your career. And I was like, Ichiro just told me that. Like that was one of the I get chills thinking about it because he's 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 you know, he's a Hall of Famer, he's one of the best to play the game and just to know that he was watching me during those times, you know, I never, again, I wasn't doing it to show or to, for show. It was just my routine. It was just something that, that I needed to do to get locked in. And, uh, he was, he was watching and recognizing through all his work that he was doing. He was, you know, keeping tabs on everything. So it was kind of cool that, that he was telling me that. And, uh, one of the best compliments I I think I can get. That's awesome. Now, talking baseball specific, you're a relief pitcher who throws far more than kind of the typical two pitch picks, or excuse me, two pitch mix that we've kind of traditionally thought relievers need. Describe your arsenal and maybe just as importantly what you need to do to keep everything sharp, you know, when you may only get, you know, two to four outings per week of, of an inning apiece. Yeah, you know, I throw, yeah, I throw a lot of pitches. <laughs> uh, I kind of developed a cutter. Um, I, I mean, I showed you my finger, um, my middle yeah. fingers probably an inch longer than my, than my pointer finger. Mm -hmm. Um, and the ball just naturally cuts. So I started to, I kind of developed that just through the minor leagues and, and it's mostly in the big leagues. Um, again, I don't throw, you know, a hundred miles an hour coming out of the bullpen. So you got to find ways to be successful. And, and I'm a guy that has extreme feel for pitches and I can manipulate balls and this and that. So, um, I definitely use that to my advantage. As far as like staying sharp with it, I I, I, throw, I throw flat grounds almost every day. Um, now I'm starting to morph into throwing like not a flat ground, just a short pin mm-hmm. daily, just because I want to feel the mound more. And and you know with with you know a new arm, I guess, or a new ligament in my arm, I have to kind of relearn mechanics. So like I, as much as I am, as much as I can be on the mound as possible, the better. And uh, so I, that that's how I kind of stay sharp with like throwing things, getting a feel for what I have that day. Sometimes. I don't know if it's like uh, my arms tighter or looser some days. That sometimes the curveball's good, sometimes it's not. It's all about a process of like just throwing and seeing what you have that day and adjusting to what you have. I think so many times guys try to try to create the same shape, yeah. Um, and and sometimes your body, like parts of your body, are sore. Sometimes you have more life on your arm. Sometimes you don't. But it's all about what you have that day, and and making what you have that day work, and not trying to make it better sometimes like my sliders break in a certain way that's just the way it's going to break or sometimes i'm throwing a fastball and it's cutting i'm like all right well i'm not going to try to fix the cut mid game Mm -hmm. because that's when you try to that's when you get in trouble that's whenever you you uh you walk guys or and then you try to overcorrect and then Mm -hmm. you're kind of lost on the mound that's where you see young guys they get lost on the mound they can't throw a strike and then you see them try to place it in there and that's very hard to get over that Mm -hmm. so instead of doing that stuff Whatever your ball is doing, just change your sights. So it's all about changing your sights to to make the ball uh, be throw it where you want to without overcorrecting something. Because sometimes uh, it's just going to do what it's going to do, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what I've been doing, just adjusting to what I have that day and making it work. It, again, it's, it's about getting the guy out at the plate. They don't know that your ball's cutting. And or they don't know that it's not cutting because you don't want it to cut. You know what I mean? It's just like you just got to adjust from there. And I think that's what I've been. That's what I've been doing. Again, all the work that you do is to try to be as consistent as possible. And if all your mechanics are are basically pretty consistent and the ball's still cutting, maybe it's maybe you're tighter somewhere or whatever it is. Then you just adjust from there. Does it change your approach too? Like if you know that your your heater's cutting more, that you know you you bang the cutter that night and you you throw more breaking balls, whether it's a curveball or a slider, to get more differentiation, or is it still you know kind of roll with the the arsenal you have and you know you throw whatever the catcher's putting down? Oh, one hundred percent, man. I, I uh, there's been times where you know my fastball's cutting a lot and I it's hard to control, and I'll throw you know six sliders in a row. My slider's like nasty. Sometimes you know. And and I'll I'll still throw my my cutter, but it's more like a for sh- uh, for show, you know what I mean? Or like uh, or I'll mix a two seam in there or whatever, just to, just to kind of uh, change the sight and change the batter's eyes a little bit. But yeah, again, it's 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 just using what you got, understanding what the ball is going to do, and adjusting from there, and and just trying to you know try to get the job done. 
you, with with so many pitches, obviously there's a two and a four seam. There's a cutter. There's a slider. There's a curveball, and there's a changeup. And then there's days when they're a little different than they otherwise would have been. Do you worry about stuff blending together? And like, if so, is it the kind of thing where? you know, in your bullpen, you're trying to figure out which pieces of that arsenal are the best on a given day, or is, you know, are, are they, do you treat them all as, as kind of equal in the way you approach the game? No. Well, so like the curveball is something that, um, you know, sometimes I won't throw that for a few days because it, it, it morphs into my slider sometimes, but that's, that's more like a mechanical issue or, or arm slide issue. So, but the curveball, like sometimes I won't throw it for days and then all of a sudden, um, we get in a situation where a guy's fouling the ball off and we'll just, I'll, they'll put the curveball down and I'll throw it and, and it's a banger. You know what I mean? Because it, it's just, so the curveball is something that is uh, there sometimes and, and sometimes it's not. The slider is something consistent where I always try to work on that and a change up and the fastball. Um, the cutter is usually pretty consistent. I don't have to really work on that as much because I, it's, it, that's, that's like a locked in feel for me. Um, and at the moment it's the slider and changeup that I've been having to work on consistently to make sure that my arm is, is, uh, is in the right slot and, and I'm doing the right things. Um, but so, so yeah, I guess it would be the curveball would be the most wild card, I guess. And then from there it would be the, the changeup, but, um, that again, it all depends on the day. And when you, when you talked about throwing like uh, flat grounds almost every day and now even getting off the mound, um, like, are you trying to see your breaking ball big in your, just your, your catch play in those flat grounds, or do you just want to see spin and not necessarily the shape of it? More spin. And also if it's coming out of the same slot as like my fastball, I want everything to look as, as the same as, as possible. So I have, you know, I have someone maybe standing in to kind of watch and see if they can see any difference in it. Um, I want it all to come out the same slot, and I think that's that's what uh, that's what pitch design is for, and all that stuff. Because like if if you're if you're altering your curveball or your slider, you change up differently than your fastball. The hitter may not recognize, or the hitter will recognize. They may not know what they're seeing, but they are seeing something different. And these guys, if there's something different, they're able to lay off, or they're able to recognize it's a different pitch, even though it's like slightly higher arm slot or slightly lower or whatever it is again they may not know that it's a it's a different arm slot but they know there's a difference and and uh when they know that it's uh it's easier to lay off and it's you know they, they lay off some of some good pitches or they crush some good pitches you know so i think that's something that you have to work on is is being being in that same tunnel with all your pitches and that's kind of what i'm working on now is being being more consistent with that arm slot and release point so that it's hard to recognize these pitches. I think that's what makes a lot of pitchers good is like, you know, Garrett Cole, all these guys, I think they're the ball. It looks like a fastball until the very end and it breaks, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's something that you have to work on more, more so than the, than the, a big curveball or the shape or how much it's breaking. It, it's more about the ball coming out in the same slot so that the hitter's mind isn't able to pick it up, you know, even, even, even being right behind the fastball and having like a, a better vertical break, um, like their, their eyes, their eyes can't register or their brain can't register that there's a higher break. It just looks yeah. like it's going to be in a certain plane and they miss it. They're like, what the hell? Like I, I, I was right on that. I, my timing was good, but it was just higher. Like their brain can't recognize that, that spin, yeah. you know what I mean? So like being able to be more consistent with that, um, makes you a better pitcher. I like it. All right, so we we talked about the fun stuff. We got to talk about the not so fun stuff. Um, <laughs> your, your your shoulder issues got progressively worse over the years. Um, it led to a lot of, uh, you know, kind of intentional and probably unintentional adjustments on the mound to try to avoid some symptoms. Um, you know, and, and you even talked about you kind of like the 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 alien hands. You got the long middle finger, but another thing that you have that's you know in part made you successful, made you susceptible as well is is how loose jointed you are. You're a crazy hypermobile guy. So talk about you know how all those things, you know the the subtle onset of shoulder discomfort and how you powered through it, and obviously being really loose. How long did you pitch through discomfort, and then you know what happened to the delivery and approach, and then maybe afterwards you can kind of talk about the surgery and the rehab. Yeah, so I I tore my shoulder. I had a tear in my shoulder in 2014. Um, 
and I got a cortisone shot then and all of 15, I was pretty good. I mean, there was times where I felt a little sore or, or like a little bit of discomfort, but it wasn't bad. 16 in the middle of the year, I started feeling a little, little bit more. Um, but again, it was one of those things where it was like, all right, I can pitch to this. It's fine. Like it's probably just like bicep tendonitis or whatever, you know, and it, and it might've been just that, but on top of the tear and then 17, um, I noticed like in, in the off season, uh, of 16 leading into 17, uh, it just was hard to get going. And, uh, it's just, I didn't under, it was just like, it felt like my arm was like, I shouldn't be throwing like a, I was throwing with the wrong hand. It felt like it just felt so awkward and, and discomfort. And all the way through 17, it was, I was battling it. Um, and then 18, it was unbearable from, from spring training. It just was, uh, it was like grit your teeth every time you throw. Um, and, uh, what made it hard to say something about that is that I would be successful for like two or three games in a row with pain or with, you know, discomfort. And then, then I'll have a game where it's just like, I couldn't put it together and it just hurt. And I, it was hard because normally after a game where, you know, I pitch bad or whatever, it's like, oh, I'll get them next time. But it just made every game that much more uh, intense because it was like, well, I don't know if I can pitch tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if I will be good tomorrow. It just, it just put a little bit of doubt in my head, you know, and it, and it, and it just, the mindset of pitching with that was tough because I was trying to figure out how to get some of the best hitters out in the world while trying not to feel as much pain. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes it would be like, all right, man, you just gotta, you gotta grit through this and get through this pain. <laughs> you know, it only be a few seconds of pain. So just get through it. You got to get this guy out, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that's what made it hard. And it, what made it hard again was just, I would be successful. I would get the guys out and I'm like, Oh, I can do this. I can do this for a few more games. And then in off season, maybe I'll say something or whatever it is, you know? And then whenever I pitch bad, it was like, oh, I don't want to say something now. Cause I don't want it to be an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I mean, it was kind of a weird mindset, but like, I, you know, being injured, pitching through injury kind of warps your mind a little bit. Yeah. Um, to be able to, to, to get through that kind of stuff. And to kind of like nerd out on the side of this. So for, for those listening, AJ basically had a, an anterior capsule that got really, really loose over the years. So when you, when you acquire a lot of external rotation as a thrower, what happens concurrently is that the, the ligaments in the front of your shoulder just get overstretched. And I, I use the analogy of like the ball in the socket. It's kind of like a marble rattling around in a glass jar. And these are tough ones because as you probably experienced, like whether you take anti-inflammatories, you get an injection that may take away your symptoms or minimize them, but it doesn't change the functionality of the joint, right? You're still loose. You're still just trying like crazy to find stability and figure out where your arm is in space. So I think, you know, to some degree, this is probably one of the reasons why when someone has a chronically unstable elbow, the performance is bad, even if they, they have days when it doesn't hurt. Is this you, you, proprioceptive? You don't know where your arm is in space. Yeah, it was such a weird feeling, man. Like it was like, like I would throw one. I'm like, okay, that's that's where I usually re would release the ball or or aim, and it would just fly off into a, a totally different direction. And I'm sitting there like, well, what what happened? Like, why did it do that? So then I try to overcompensate and then catch the ball differently, and then it go completely up the other way. And when I if you go back and watch some of those outings, and you're like, what is he do? I can I know fans are like, what is he doing out there? Like throw a strike, throw a strike. And I'm like, <laughs> and at times in my head, I'm like, I would be throwing a, like I wanted to call pitches so that maybe that would make the guy at the plate, like tell the, tell the batter what was coming. So maybe he could swing at it. Like, all right, he knows what's coming. Maybe he's more likely to swing at it. Like I was like hoping for strikes at times out there. It was, it was such an odd feeling. And then other days it would be more locked in. I don't know if there was more muscles that were activated before pitching that helped me stabilize my arm just a little bit better that game or whatever it was but it was just it was just night and day sometimes it was the weirdest feeling to be out there like that yeah all right so you had you had surgery with with dr alchik at the end of that season describe uh, you know kind of your experiences with the rehab and actually i pulled some numbers that'll go alongside and i think maybe make the the story even more compelling uh yeah i um after after he after they said it was torn that I needed surgery, it was almost like a, a sigh of relief because it was like, all right, it's not my ability to pitch. It's not because my I'm not good enough to pitch anymore. I mean, 
in, in a way it was because with that ligament, I wasn't, you know, where I needed to be, but I knew that there was an issue and then I could tackle it. I was like, all right, cool. Like now, now I know there's something wrong with me or there was something wrong with me. Now it's time to, to fix that and then get back to, to where I know I can pitch to the level I can pitch. So, um, it was almost like a sigh of relief and then, all right, let's get to work. That was my mentality. And so these are long rehabs as you, as you experienced and they're, they're challenging because it's not like you can, um, you know, we've seen guys come back from Tommy John surgeries at like nine and a half, 10 months or, you know, ACL repairs, they come back at six months because they're willing to risk it. Right. And really what you're doing is you're waiting for, you know, a, a graph to stretch out. So this isn't one of those ones that you can do to talk about. It. You had some, some challenges along the way. What was it that was so, I guess, long and frustrating about a, a capsule repair rehab? Well, my whole, you know, working out and everything like that, I was all, you know, just 100% gas pedal, um, powering through things and, and stuff like that. Uh, but with this, you know, it was really subtle movements, really like you couldn't really power through a lot of this stuff. And, you know, at first uh, I was, you know, flying through this process, man. I, I mean, you saw me, I was, you know, way ahead of schedule and then that's kind of what hurt me. It was, I, I was, I was going too quickly. You know, I was, I was pushing the envelope too fast. Um, and, uh, you know, that's when I got that bone bruise. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, that mi- really made me s- slow down. And, and it, it was, it was a necessary part of the process because it, it, it really made me question a lot at that point, um, both for baseball and for life. Uh, just, um, it really made me be patient and really made me like listen to my body. And, uh, that, that part was tough. Um, so yeah, it was just, uh, it was, it was a very tough part. And also too, being without a team, um, and not really having a set like program that you should or shouldn't do, uh, was tough as well. You know, I moved around a lot in the off season and, uh, that think that was what made it really tough. It was hard to really nail down. If am I doing, stuff right and it kind of made me work almost overwork because i didn't know if what i was doing is right or wrong so i wanted to make sure that like you know if i if i do a lot of work there's for sure there's some there's the right steps in there but i'm not sure what was the right step so i mean it was it was a very confusing confusing time at that moment the thing i think i learned from from working through you through that process so we, we linked up in I don't know, fall fall of 18 um it was late late in the fall it was a couple months after your surgery and i think this surgery taught me a lot and uh, watching you go through it just because you know you can you can look at a guy on a table and say hey you got all his motion back you know what i mean and you got your motion back really really easily external rotation where it, need, where it needs to be but it's hard to net really appreciate what's actually going on you know at the joint level you know what i mean how well the rolling the rocking the gliding all that stuff is taking place and I think it just takes so many high quality, low intensity reps of throws just to gradually loosen that capsule back up just a little bit because they're, they're effectively over tightening you in the front. And that was when you had some problems is when you tried to push it. I think your first, that little setback came the first time you went back to back days and pushed a little hard on day two and it felt good. And, you know, those are the things that are so tricky about these surgeries. If guys aren't patient and, um, you know, they, they can easily set themselves back. Um, was that your experience yeah. with it? it? Was it was just like the patience was like the single most important aspect of it? The patience, yeah. But also, I think I was a little more unique because, again, pitching with it since 2014, yeah. all the way up into 18, um, you know, you develop patterns yeah. that that work for for those mechanics. So when I started to throw and I started to really ramp up the the intensity, um. I was looking for feelings that were no longer achievable mm-hmm. with this tightened arm or yeah. this, this, uh, tightened capsule. Um, I was trying to, I was searching my head and th- the last time I felt healthy, I wasn't healthy. And, and the last time I felt my arm feel good, didn't really feel good because it was with a torn shoulder. So like I was going for feelings that were no longer there. So I had to map out a new, and some new mechanics for a healthy arm, which I hadn't had a healthy arm since 2013. So like it was, I was so far removed from feeling healthy that I was searching for so long to, to what is my correct way of throwing. And you would think that, you know, Oh, with a tightened arm, it kind of, it kind of limits 
where your arm is in space so that you can throw the correct way. But that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't it because I'm a hypermobile guy with a with a now Titan capsule. So it was getting it loose enough to to throw with my body, but but not too loose to where it's almost going back the same way it was before. So it was a constant learning process. Like after after you know after like that bone bruise, I had to literally sit in the mirror and and do reps like throw as slow as possible to 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 in in the right arm slot i would go back and watch video in 2013 where was my arm slot what was my move what was my mechanics then and it was hard it was was a very hard process because i mean it was i was so far removed from that so um just having to having to do that and having to to really try to get those that feeling across again was tough i would like throw a ball into the net very very lightly just to try to recreate like a good arm motion and um again it was a challenging process it was like is is my arm feeling discomfort because of the surgery or because i am in the wrong arm slot like what what is the 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 what am i supposed to be feeling right now is it supposed to be pain-free when i throw right now or discomfort-free when i throw right now or is or or is it going to be a little bit of discomfort like so it was hard to to know if it, I was in the right arm slot or if I was just, it was just part of the, the process of, of, of throwing with a surgically repaired arm, you know, yeah. it was, it was a very tough process to figure out. Yeah. I think that's, there's like a really good lesson there for, for younger players who are going through this is like, you know, you, you had a surgery, you know, you're a major league player, you had access to, you know, some of the best medical care. You could have gone anywhere to do your rehab and you still had these challenges. Like it kind of speaks volumes for like the 17 year old kid who has a labor repair to not put too much pressure on himself. Like that you are going to go through these struggles. Don't expect it to be this smooth, you know, recovery all the way through. 100% man. You have to, yeah. Like for me, what happened is I went into this with like a, a time frame, mm-hmm. with my own time frame. Like, all right, I'm going to get back by this point. And I was on pace for that, except for that pace was too fast mm-hmm. and, and it set me back. And then it really taught me like, Hey, this is not on, this is not on your time. What your mind is saying that you should be back. This is on your arms time. Yep. So you, you have to really listen to how you're feeling and you really have to listen to the program that you're on. If it says throw 80% or 70% of your effort, throw seven, throw 68% of your effort, you know, yep. like, and I know it sounds like this is coming from somebody who always pushes the limit, who is mm-hmm. always like powering through. I mean, I pitched with injury for four years yep. and I, and my, my message would be just take it slow. There's yep. time. Yep. There's time. If a 33 year old dude at the time can get back to the big leagues and, 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 and wait on the process and wait two years you know, like if when you're 17, 18 years old, you have time to yep. get back. Yep. You know, even if you're 25, yep. you have time to get back, man. Like just take it slow because you can make yourself, you can, you can set yourself back even further yep. and, and I've done it. So, uh, you know, just listen to, listen to the medical professionals and also more importantly, listen to your body. If something yep. doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. You know, yep. Yo. um, even if, even if things sh- like on the on the MRI, whatever show something is, I mean, everything is structurally all right. If it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. Like, you know, um, make sure that you listen to your body. I think, you know, the, the lesson also is like, you know, for, for the, the sports medicine and strength edition folks, is you, you always rehab the person, you don't rehab the timeline. And mm-hmm. it, what's interesting is, so there was a study in the American Journal of Sports Medicine that came out in 2012. So it's, it's dated now. Jones was the lead author. And they looked at anterior capsule plications and found that 85% of overhead athletes return to their pre-injury level within 3.6 years. So we're, mm. we're talking about mm. a scenario where, I mean, obviously 3.6 years, like that's that's the end of a career for a lot of people. So I, I question those numbers <laughs> a little bit. And I'm sure that the standard deviation of that study was off the charts in terms of who did and didn't come back. But you know, we look at that and, and how much it's evolved over these eight years as they've done more of them. Like most people don't have 3.6 years. So you have to listen to to where you're at and kind of reconcile those two things um, if you're going to come back. 100%. Uh, so yeah, um, man. Like, well, for, for me right now, like, for I got, you know, I, I got back to the big leagues and I'm, I was pitching, but I'm not set just yet. You know what I mean? Like, I, I knew what I, I know what I have at that moment will play in the big leagues and I can, I can get guys out, but yeah. that's, I'm still getting better. 
You know what I mean? I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to pitch healthy and still learning how to, how to, uh, you know, maximize my, my, my arm right now. And I, I think that's a never ending process. Honestly, I think whenever, whenever you start to evolve or whatever it is, I think there's always things that you have to work on or have to add into your program, especially the more pitches you throw or, you know, the older you get, like you have to always continue to evolve to what you have at, at that moment. Um, but you know, definitely, um, there's more to come for sure. I like it. Um, so you, you made it back to the big leagues. And I think one of the things that's cool about this is, you know, like everywhere you obviously, you, you were a few different organizations on your path to come into the, to the show with the Rockies this year, but you know, we know guys from the Mets, we know guys from the Marlins who played with you. And I, as I said earlier, I don't know if a single person in professional baseball who doesn't like you in spite of the fact, like you're the fieriest competitor I, I know. So I'm curious what, what lessons do you have for being a great teammate? Why do the guys become raving fans for you after they play with you? Well, I mean, it's just being, being a human first, being, being a person. Um, I think sometimes when you identify with a role, with a, you know, if, if you're a superstar, what if you identify with whatever is given to you before being your true self or a human, I think that's what causes you to be a bad teammate because you start thinking that, the world revolves around not you as a person, but as your, as your ego, as your, uh, the world revolves around your, your personality, you know, you got to recognize that that's just your personality. Mm -hmm. You you gotta, you gotta cut through all that stuff and, and just be a human first. When you're a human first, it doesn't matter what someone's job is, what someone's title is, whatever it is, because you care about that human first, you know, and, and that's, that's the most important thing. I think some, a lot of people get, too caught up in oh I'm a doctor or oh I'm a I'm a this I'm a I'm a trainer I'm a, I'm a coach I'm a whatever because there's been times when when someone who is has more status or who is like a, has a higher title than me start talking to me a certain way I'm like hold up hold up first talk to me like a man or a human talk to me like a human because that's all you are you know what I mean like you, you, you can't you can't identify too far too much with what the title is given to you because that warps your reality, that warps your, your, your perceptions to make you think that you are way more entitled than what you really are. You know, like, mm -hmm. I think that's the, the issue with, with some, with some of these, with, with a lot of people is that you, you just, you just, uh, you're just too involved in, in whatever it is that you're doing. You, you, you identify with that too much. So whenever you, you're a human first, it, it kind of helps you separate from, from you and and what you do on the mound because what you do on the mound and what you're doing is you're playing a game you're competing against someone up there it's just you and that person competing and at that moment you're like i'm gonna beat whoever that is like i can care about you after the game i can give you a hug we can go have a drink whatever it is but on this mound on this right now it's me against you and i'm gonna win mm -hmm. and it's being able to separate yourself from that moment Right when you're done, you you decompress. You're like, all right, cool. Hey, you know, let, let, hey man, I'm sorry if I, you know, was me mugging you up there or wanting to fight you up there. But that's just my my personality doing playing a game. You know, you're playing that game. So whenever you're that way, and, and you start to you start to realize that you, you're just in competition with yourself. You don't wish ill on any teammates. You don't you don't wish ill on anybody else. You want everyone to do their best, but you work for your best just to be better than everyone else's best, yeah. you know? And that, I think that's, that's what you got to do. You can't, you can't pray on the downfall of anybody. You can't, you know, uh, be happy when someone does bad or anything yeah. like that. I think that's just a bad mentality to have. So I think, um, when you, when you do that, when you care about the person beyond the, the baseball title, mm -hmm. I think when you care about your teammates as, as humans and, and recognize that, you know, there's ebbs and flows, there's ups and downs and, you know, when someone's, you know, in a bad mood, it isn't more about you than it's more about them than it is about you, even though they treat you bad, whatever it is. Like, you just got to recognize that you're a human, they're a human, and, and you just go from there. I mean, I don't think uh, it's not that hard, man. It's just 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 be just be kind to everybody, man. I mean, uh, show respect and uh, and go from there. I, and I, which is awesome advice. And I'm curious, kind of, the I guess, the the pendulum swing in the other direction is how do you sw flip the switch so quickly, right? How do you go from being the great teammate, the guy that's fun to be around and all that to is, was there a certain time like, Hey, third inning starts, this is when this goes like, when is it for you um, that, you know, you kind of went into hardcore compete mode? 
when I hear my song come on and uh, uh, when I'm when I'm walking or when I'm yeah, when I'm walking up to the mound about to pitch, um, that's whenever it kind of switches on. Um, whenever they're playing my walkout song, you know, it's, it's like, all right, it's go time. This is then you remember like, hey, how many hours did you put in your whole life to get to this moment? Like you, you remember the countless sacrifices that you made in order to pitch or to play at that moment. And there is no way that you're going to allow that moment to go to waste. Every moment that you get to play is something that you worked your entire life for. Mm -hmm. Like you, you've missed all kinds of, I've missed all kinds of family vacations. I've missed, you know, all kinds of birthdays, holidays, all kinds of things for this game. So when I'm on that mound and it's time to go, this is the time to show out. This is the time to 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 really put all that work that you've been putting in and let it show. Because if not, if you're not up there at full intensity, then what's the purpose of missing all that stuff? Mm-hmm. What was the purpose of, of, of making so many sacrifices? So when I'm up there, it's like, all right, this like you guys whoever's at the mound is gonna reap whatever i sowed you know like all that stuff that i went through all that sacrifices is 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 gonna come out on this mound right now and i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure that that what i all that work that i put in is gonna work right now you know and that that's kind of the mentality on that and then when i'm done it's like all right cool now i'm a human again uh you know i take off my baseball costume and I go be a human, and then you know, and and then when I go back to the field, I put back on my costume, and then boom, I get back to work, more work, more more uh, motivation, so that when I'm on that mound again, I'm at the best that I can be. I like it. Now, let's let's talk about kind of the, the flip side of it, right? How do you bounce back from failure? So we'll talk like in game first. You give up a home run. What's your what's your immediate process? You know, in those you know minute and a half before you throw the next pitch to the next hitter extreme fury <laughs> uh, I, I get so mad and then it's like all right you you felt that it's all right to feel that it's it's normal your competitor that's what's going to happen i feel it and then boom that moment's already gone you can't do anything about that moment there's nothing you can do about it there's nothing that 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 pitch is gone all you can do now all you can worry about is what's going to happen next and i know it sounds cliche or whatever but like that's that's how things are that that moment is gone and the more you're that more you try to hold on to that moment, the less focus you have to, to get the next guy out. And whenever guys are at their best, whenever everyone's at their best, it's like it, they call it the flow state. Mm-hmm. And you are so ingrained in the moment of, in the moment of now that, you know, nothing else is going on. And in everything that you have, all that work and everything that you have that you put in is going towards that hitter at that moment. So the, the, the faster you can get rid of whatever, good or bad, you know, sometimes you're saying in that moment, like, oh, I made that guy look bad that last at bat. You know, you're, you're too, you're, there's some of your consciousness still left back in time. You need, in order to be your best, you need all of your consciousness right in that moment. Not, not in the future, not like, oh, I got one more out. One more out, we win the game. Nope. That, that's already that's some of your consciousness is gone already nope you got to get that back you got to get everything back to centered everything back to the the moment at hand which is that very next pitch mm-hmm. you know and then after you're done with that pitch then it's the next pitch and if you're done with that pitch then it's the next pitch because you know you can't get those moments back it's about being fully present in the moment for every pitch i remember we were talking it was kind of back I was probably a year and a half ago. There was like a big time bat flip or something like that. And, you know, a guy pimped a home run really, really hard. And we were talking about, I'm like, what do you got on that? He's like, you said something to the effect of like, celebrate, go ahead. Like, do you think part of your, like uh, your ability to be amenable to that is just the fact that you feel like your processes are so good that whatever they do doesn't really matter at that moment. Well, I mean, if they, if they bat flip, they beat me, man. I mean, that's it. Like I I threw a pitch that I wanted to throw, you know, and that's where, that's where that comes in. Like make sure you throw every pitch with intent. And if, if I have extreme intent on a pitch and you beat me, then, Hey man, good job. Go ahead and celebrate, (laughs) you know, just don't get mad whenever I face you again. And I like throw my glove up in the air or (laughs) do a backflip on the mound. Like don't get mad at me for having fun on you, you know, but but yeah, I, I, you know, again, that moment's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a game, you know, have fun. You know, I'm not going to hit nobody for, 
for celebrating. That's just that that's not the way I roll. I know some some guys feel differently. Uh, but for me, uh, it's, you know, have as much fun as possible. It's a game. Have fun. You know, it's just I have a little more fun making people look silly, you know, so <laughs> that that's how I have my fun is doing my job. Nice. What about like the, uh, preparing for the next day? Right. You blow a save. Obviously, it's it's not a great situation, but, you know, you got to be back out to the next day. How do you uh, regroup after after one of those moments? Uh, knowing that my abilities, um, knowing that that those moments are a few far in between. And if they're not, then I'm probably not going to be closing games for that much longer. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's that's complete confidence in self, knowing that that was just a fluke moment. And I think uh, what happens when 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 uh, those moments stick around. Um, I think that's that shows a little bit of uh, lack of confidence in your abilities. You know, if you're worried about, man, I blew that save and, you know, you're, you're harping on it too much. I think that that kind of makes things that kind of shows like where you are as far as like your confidence in your abilities. So either one, you got to somehow get that confidence back by, you know, working or just believing in yourself somehow, you know, do whatever process that you need to do. But I think that's what where I was at whenever I was throwing hurt. It was like those games. And those every pitch just meant so much more for me, you know, because I wasn't confident in my abilities anymore. It was like, man, am I good enough anymore? And mm-hmm. and I'm throwing through so much pain. So it was hard to kind of get over that last pitch or hard to kind of get over that last game I pitched bad. But when things are going good, you know, I'm still mad after after a game. But once I shower, I get all that stuff off and then I try to go along with my process. Like, all right, let's go live again. This should be live. This is be a, be a person. Um so um, it's it's about having confidence in your abilities, knowing that you're, you are going to going to pitch bad or play bad every once in a while. And and to know that uh, you your your talent is good enough that for the every most of the time you're going to go out there, you're going to do your job right. right. And the times that you don't. Well, you know, that's just part of the game. I mean, you play to win or lose and sometimes you lose. Yeah. Um, but the goal is to win and, and focus on that and don't let the losses overtake the feeling of of getting the job done the next day because you know that's what you're working for. And if you're and if you're in the big leagues or if you're on a team or if whatever it is, you know, you have the ability to you know, it's not it's not an accident you're on a team. Mm-hmm. You have the talent. It's just about accessing that talent and and uh, you know, letting it flow and getting your mind out of the way. Right on. All right, so we always like to wrap up. We do a quick lightning round. Um, so it's okay. basically four short questions. You can be as long as you want with the answer. All right, so what advice would you give to a teenage AJ Ramos? Slow down. <laughs> um, well, well, actually, no, no, no. Listen to yourself and trust yourself. Um, you, you're on the right path. You're doing everything right. Um, just keep listening to yourself and uh, and 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 uh, unleash unleash it all man you're doing you're doing good and this one uh we've asked every one of the pitchers who's come on the podcast and i'd say we're 50 50 split on responses i'm especially intrigued at your answer because you're you throw throw many, so many different pitches so what's more important stuff or command command all right so it's because you're the guy who has stuff you just got to throw it where you want it <laughs> exactly if, if, if my stuff is in if i have come if i have command of my stuff it's going to be a long day for hitters right. or and actually it'll be short it'll be a short day for hitters man Three pitches. <laughs> there you go all right favorite teammate of all time and why and you're allowed to pick a couple if you want to uh let's see who um marcel ozuna was one of my favorite teammates uh he's just funny he's a funny dude man uh yeah. he, he's he's uh you can get under his skin pretty easily <laughs> and uh but he's a, a damn good player and then um my other probably favorite uh jose fernandez uh, he yeah. was he was uh he was amazing man just yeah. being around that guy his energy um it was it was something special yeah. um uh, that that's kind of sometimes how i base my play from 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 you know from here on out is just having as much fun with, with, with what I got that day um, and smiling and just yeah. being, having as much fun as possible. I think my outings, my outings this year, I was talking to the guys as they were running across the, you know, when I got them out, I was talking to them and just having more, as much fun as possible on the mound because uh, it can be taken away from you very quickly and it can, it can all be over. And uh, just uh, having that, having him, 
and seeing him pitch yeah. in my mind is just uh very uh i don't know man it's 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 a, it's a good feeling to have yeah i was gonna say and if you can make baseball fun in in 2020 in a socially distanced world and everything it's probably that much more compelling a, a trip to the ballpark right 100 percent um all right so last one what pitchers do you like to watch and why i like watching the grom mm-hmm. um just because I, it seems like he has his mechanics figured out yeah you know uh, he just and it's just uh He's just him, you know. He doesn't. He doesn't try to do too much. He just. Uh, it's just so easy to watch him. Watch him yeah. pitch, and uh, he's nasty, man. Yeah. He's nasty. And there's a lot of guys that are there that are that are gross, but I, I love watching Degrom pitch. Oh, he's special, oh, man. This was outstanding. Um, folks can find you on Twitter and Instagram. It's at the AJ Ramos. Um, always have some good stuff up there periodically with your your highlight reels and stuff and. AJ, this was really, really good. Not just for, um, you know, I think the sports medicine crew who can, you know, take some insights away with respect to how to manage guys after shoulder and elbow surgeries. But I think more importantly, you know, a lot for like younger guys and, and parents for, you know, kids who are uh, who are going through struggles as they, they try to work their way from a developmental standpoint or, you know, rehabilitation standpoint. So, so thanks for sharing your insights. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. This is a blast. All right, take care, bud. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd be thrilled if you'd consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a review to read on iTunes. We welcome your suggestions for future guests and questions. Just email EliteBaseballPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for your continued support, and we'll see you next episode.